Hello and welcome to the Christian Nerd of Godcast. My name is Scott Higa. I am the Christian Nerd. And along with me again, as always so far for the Christian Nerd of Godcast, this wonderful crossover is my friend and yours, Tony T from the Nerd of Godcast. What's up, Tony? Scott, by God, Higa. What's happening, my brother? Not much. We're recording this. Peel back the curtain on a Sunday evening. Sunday, the Lord's Day. It is almost Monday for you. We're recording this late for you. And I think it's, what, Tuesday night for you? I'm not sure how the time difference yeah, works. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. Uh, no, it's Wibbly Sunday. Wibbly-wobbly, yeah, timey-wimey. It's, it's Sunday. My my daughter's outside the door screaming. The faint Claire, wails of inside? screeching toddlers in the distance. Clara, do you want to come in? Clara, do you want to come inside? No, she doesn't want to. No. 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 I don't know what she Not since to the last crying. time I preached in youth group have I felt as ignored as you just were. Yeah, she's like, no, just kidding. So I would have her on here, but she's just, she's angry about something. We had bath time earlier, and then I told her bath time was over, and she just started flinging water and throwing toys at me. So, Daddy, daddy, no. Two years old. I guess it's what they, what they say is true about those terrible twos. It's when they turn on you. Do you even remember that time with Christian, or was it just so long ago that's just been washed away in teenage years? (laughs) It was. It's weird to think. He was two years old in 2004. Think about the world we lived in in 2004. I mean, high-speed internet was still a novelty in 2004. I think we just... I didn't even have Wi-Fi in my house. Yeah, no. I think we'd just gotten high-speed internet. Crazy. And it wasn't even good, high-speed internet. It was George W. Bush was still the president... For the first time in 2004. Oh my gosh, he was. Yeah, yeah. Nutty times, man. So we, we we only had like we were only on Spider-Man two, I think, in 2004. In 2004, I was the most part of 2004. I was 22. I think. I'm really bad at math. This is captivating podcasting. How old were you in 2004? <laughs> How old Everybody were you share in 2004? Let us know online. You can follow <laughs> us at. <laughs> I'm looking right now online at what happened in 2004, pop culture, prices, and events. But um, apparently my high-speed internet, even now in the futuristic year of 2019, is a myth because nothing is loading up. So, Ah, oh, dang it. Yeah. No, we'd already we gotten through all the Lord of the Rings movies. That was 2003. Yeah, and worth it. We we played Lord of the Rings Trivial Pursuit last night. We kind of had a little, my, my wife and I had some, uh, you know, just us time. So we played the DVD copy of Lord of the Rings Trivia. Wow. And it was so amazing. And she's really good at Lord of the Rings Trivia. Like, really, really good. So you lost. I did. I was wife. close. How it was close, but I did. Well, no, That's that not makes really me showing proud. headship in your household, Tony. Letting your wife beat you. <laughs> You know, she won. It, it really came down to the last question, and she admittedly won by guessing. So are, you're a Lord of the Rings guy, right? Yeah, you, yeah. You're a fan. Okay, I'll ask you the question and see if you know the answer. I probably don't. She guessed and try. got it right. Okay, Aragorn. His mother was buried where? Mm. The final resting place of Mama Aragorn. Rivendell? It was Rivendell. Are you just guessing? Well, I kind of was, but I, I, like, I, 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 it was either like it was either the North with the Dunedain or Gondor <laughs> or it was Rivendell. But I think I remember something about Aragorn growing up with the elves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. So, and that was that, that's that's the long and short of it. She won on that question. I would have I would have probably gotten it wrong. And you but, seeded you know. your birthright as a man, much like Esau seeded his birthright. I did, but I, and I didn't even get Jacob. a cup of goat stew out of it. Come on, give me that red. I love that. Pa- I was I was listening to the Bible. I've been trying to listen to the chronological Bible. Yeah. Uh, this year, and so I was listening to that, and it's just so great. So I just give me that red stew. Like, all right. And then even crazier, Genesis is nuts, man. When Rachel and Leah are fighting over who gets to bang it out with Abraham or Jacob that night. And Rachel's like, give me some of those mandrakes. And Leah's like, let me sleep with Jacob. Like, all right. (laughs) And then he walks in and Leah comes up to him. He's like, hey, you're with me tonight. I sold you for some mandrakes. And Jacob's just like, all right, whatever. Okay, whatevs. Yeah, man, they were crazy days. It was like the '70s in Did Genesis. Did anyone say yes more quickly than when Sarah told Abraham that he <laughs> should sleep with Hagar? 
Yes, yes, yes. Yes, okay. ma'am. <laughs> okay, I, if you insist, honey. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that worked out just fine. No drama there at yeah, all. Yeah, not, 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 not centuries, <laughs> millennia-long drama, which we are still experiencing today. Yes, indeed. How was your week, Tony? Uh, not too bad. Uh, you know, I think it was kind of the first full week back uh, after all the holidays, which seemed like forever ago now. So crazy busy. We've got a couple big events. I'm going to be out of the country uh, in about two weeks. So right now I'm trying to lay all the tracks so Where that are you during going? that week. I- I'm not at liberty to say it's oh. secret. I'm going on a cruise. Oh. Yeah, we're, we're, taking, uh, we're taking our youth leader team uh, for a retreat, and we're going to the on Bahamas. A cruise? What? Yeah, isn't that cool? Shut your mouth. I want to come be one of your youth leaders. Indeed. That's what happens when you have a 20-plus year veteran youth pastor. We splurge a little bit. We have a good time. Most of my leaders have been with me for like 10 years, and uh, they're, they're a great team. So last year, we went on a trip to the beach, and then we said, let's just do something amazing like we've never done before. And we started kicking around the ideas and thinking, that's that's not possible, is it? Is it? And we just decided to make it happen. So we're all going to the Bahamas. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, man. We're taking a cruise. That is spectacular. Yeah, man. It's going to be a good time. Like, did they have to pay? Yeah, they had to pay. But oh, okay. I got I, I worked it out where we got a really, really like a frighteningly good deal for them. So uh, they're paying next to nothing for a really nice cruise. Wow. So we're gonna have to record early if we're gonna do another one of these in two weeks. Yeah, we're gonna we're trying to figure out now our recording schedule. Yeah, so we, we that's don't also get captivating podcasting. Let's figure out our recording schedule. <laughs> so well, okay, so January the twenty first, the twenty second. What day is the the thirteenth? The fourteenth? Carry the three? Yeah. When when do you leave on your cruise? I can't I can't tell you that. That's oh. that's that's uh privileged information. Really? Yeah, man. Because if people will find out, they'll come and they'll egg my house or something. Oh, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, you would. If I lived down the street, I would. But. If you do come to my house, I'll go ahead and leave those uh, those Reese's trees outside for you, that so you can pick them up. Because they were too expensive to send to you. Does your wife get to go? Uh, yeah, she'll be going. Man, dang, that's sweet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, we have several married couples on our team, so they get to have a nice a nice getaway. So we got, I think, three married couples besides my wife and I, and then uh, a couple of our the leaders, Stephen and Neff, will be rooming up on the boat. And not uh, shocking. Lee, Lee Smitty and Jackie will be rooming up on the boat. Are you going to so fill? Nice. Are you going to record an episode of your podcast on the boat? You know, they they had suggested that we did that, but I don't know if it seems a little like you know, hey, let's just let's just go and have fun. Not that the podcast isn't fun, but. Well, the the recording's fun. It's the editing that I find sucks. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll maybe we'll work something out. We'll do a little special, uh, gym, you know, Baham Bahamian Can episode. Can I ask how long Caribbean. the cruise is? Uh, yeah, we're four days, four full oh, days. That's right, because uh, you're just over there, so it's not that far. I mean, yeah, it's, no, it's we're, like, it's we're like a Mexico 40 minutes. cruise for us. Yeah, it's forty minutes. We're forty minutes from the the port, so we'll have somebody drop us off and scoot on out. Man, that is amazing. Yeah, we're gonna have a good time. That's great, man. Now we've got a lot of people that ha- that listen to our show. We we kind of threw something out there a while back about doing a Nerdy Godcast cruise, and I didn't know if people would take it seriously. And then I thought I started thinking about like uh, Christians that have different senses of boundaries and mores, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if we want to take a cruise. And then you know you got half of the group over there, and they're going to be at the bar, or going to be in the casino, and I don't know. Let's maybe opening up a can of worms. So uh, this will be the our our cheap substitution for that. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how that would have gone. That would have. Yeah, good. I know. I know. I felt him. <laughs> All the it West was... Coast Christians over here with Scott. Woo! A... <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us, we're we're going to be over here smuggling Deuteronomy into praying the uh, Atlantis for, Resort. For gonna... us. <laughs> That's right. We're sm- we're smuggling Bibles to all of the uh, hair wrappers and steel drum players. Nice. Well, that'll yeah. be awesome. I'm very yeah, we'll excited and envious of you. Well, please don't envy me. It's it's. Uh... Just just me being the best I can be, I guess. Well, that's pretty good, taking your team Thanks. on a cruise. I took my yeah. team to the mountains like twice. That's cool. We don't have mountains here, so that's, we're excited about that too. That's true. They all blew away in the hurricanes. <laughs> they did. And our, our mountains always just get burnt every five years, so that's great. Too. <laughs> we have a space mountain. Does that count? We have a space mountain, <sighs> and we have a Matterhorn, unlike you. We don't have a Matterhorn. You win. I'm glad you're going to go on a cruise. My week was fine. I preached... That yeah. was kind of the most exciting thing. 
So I did something last Sunday. I was sitting in my office trying to figure out what I what I want to do with my sermon, and you and you know this. I'm trying to like, what's a hook? What's something that'll speak to a gamut of people? And so I thought, because I was talking about how do we find the deeper life, and a lot of times we just sort of feel like we're stuck in a rut and we don't really get anywhere. And I thought, right. holy crap, I should preach on a treadmill. Preach, preach on as in on preach a about treadmill. a treadmill. No, I will preach. Fr- I will be walking on a treadmill, preaching wow. from a treadmill. So I called my sister on the way home from church on Sunday. I was like, hey, can I borrow your treadmill? She's like, yeah, it's heavy, but you can borrow. I'm like, sweet. So, is it heavy or is it like Gerber sign baby care center heavy? She made it sound like it was much heavier than it was. I mean, it took two of us to get into a truck and move it. It wasn't that bad at all. And so I had to say it. So I wrote my whole sermon. I ran it by our preaching team on Monday. I said, this is my plan. I wrote my whole sermon with the idea that I'd be on a treadmill the whole time. And I gave it this weekend. And I freaking gave an entire sermon while walking on a treadmill. Okay. So this is where you and I have to split company in this because that's something I couldn't do. As as a larger fellow, <laughs> I don't think I would be through my opening text before it was just like... <gasps> Yeah. Okay. I don't even like to use I don't even like to walk up and down the steps of our platform for <laughs> emphasis while I'm preaching. <laughs> I'll get back up there. I'll be like, you know what, let's just have a moment of silence. Let's just reflect on the goodness of the <gasps> Lord. <laughs> but on a treadmill, man, I salute you. So it was I don't know. Like I think it was a Holy Spirit thing because I was actually just reading I was just sitting in my office reading a book on Sunday morning, and then the idea hit my brain like a lightning bolt. But Okay, I'll do this. And so it, it was it was an effective visual. That's I mean, cool. Went, but, I, but my hope is that it's not just people – I hope that people remember the point and not just, oh, remember that time Scott preached on a treadmill? I hope that the, the connection to the point and the visual was strong enough that people will remember the point, not just the, the spectacle of it. Well, I think you're an effective enough communicator to uh, the illustration Thanks. would only enhance and not distract from the yeah. main point you were trying to get across. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm not this feltest fellow, but I run on a regular basis. So I'm relatively cardiovascularly. I can make it. And so but I people don't know that I run. So people were coming up to me after service and they were concerned. They 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 were holding tension in themselves the whole time, just fearing <laughs> that I was going to fall off. Well, you're wearing athletic wear right now. I'm sitting here in pajama bottoms and a Final Fantasy themed T-shirt. Well, so this, I think is, that... this is what I was wearing while I was preaching. Oh, okay. So I haven't changed yet, but yeah. So that that was the funniest part. Everyone comes like, "How could you do that?" And I get—I don't know. I was only walking two and a half miles an hour on the treadmill. It's not that fast, but I guess you know. I guess people are people are impressed when you stand up there and don't you know crap the bed and actually give something that sounds like a sermon. <laughs> it's my, my two prayers every time I preach. Please, Lord, don't let me cuss. Don't let me crap my, uh, crap. Don't let me tear my pants. Don't yeah. let me tear my pants and don't let me say a bad word. Don't, two things I want, Jesus. Every Everything else is gravy. When we were growing up doing ministry. I, I should add don't let me crap my pants yeah. to it because that's now that seems like a good Especially idea too. Especially after you tear your pants because then it'll just <laughs> right. everything. Because since what's going to stop it yeah. from... Uh, this is derailed quickly. Yeah, I'm gr- sorry. growing up saying? when I was in, growing up when I was in college and doing ministry with a bunch of my friends that I'd grown up with, we every time I, any of us got up to talk, we would all go up to the person who was teaching and just say, "Hey, man, don't suck," because we thought like that was. <laughs> and I said it to a couple people in my current co- like I said it to Brad, our youth pastor, one of the first times I was back on staff and he was preaching. I said, "Hey, man, don't suck," and he looked offended, and I realized. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I can see how you might find that to be offensive because I'm just assuming that you're going to, so I'm telling you not to. But for us, it was it was the best encouragement. Like, hey, man, just get up there and just don't suck. Like, like that's like that's our encouragement. So I've tried to not say that as much because I don't think people are as encouraged by it as I was. Yeah, sometimes you don't, uh, you don't know how things come across. It's not how you say it. It's how they hear it. And uh, I'm not saying that you sort of default to the sarcastic and, and snarky. Oh, I, I but, absolutely do. Okay, that's, you that's do a little. That's my go-to. <laughs> that is, no, really? Come on. <laughs> you don't know how many times I've hung up from these conversations and gone and had a good cry. Oh, no. I'm, no. I'm, kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I would feel the worst is when... Because I'm kind of a sarcastic jerk. I was going to say sarcastic a-hole, but we just talked about not pre- not cussing. So <laughs> Please and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I just said it. It's like in Love Actually when she says, oh, I can't believe I gone and said. Now, have you seen yeah. Love Actually? I did see Love Actually. I really don't like Love <sighs> Actually because it was 
way more offensive. But you know me, I'm the yeah, nice yeah. fundamentalist. You're Bible the real belt. Christian. I'm the West Coast Christian. Yeah, that that know. should be our next podcast: the real Christian and the West Coast Christian. Just and I, I mean, I'm not saying one is more oh, real no, than I, the other, I but know. I have a lot more anxiety over stuff <laughs> than you do. I think. Well, then I won't. I won't go on a diatribe about love. Actually, I don't even. Want to, oh, I was going to say. So there, are, there are those times where I've pushed my sarcasm a little too far, and I've had to reassure people. Yeah, and it's it's so I've been talking to former students now that I haven't been a youth pastor for a while, but I'll talk to them, and it's amazing how they came to our youth group and really like me because all the stories they share, their best memories of me at youth group were me yelling at them for doing something totally <laughs> stupid. <laughs> that's how you know the love is real. But they all really love me and still respect me. I'm like, hey, man, that's great. I, I love and respect you too, especially because I don't have to yell at you anymore because you're... 25 and have figured out your life a little bit yeah yeah man so you had kids that figured out their lives that's that's how you know you won that's how you know you were a good youth pastor yeah i was talking to somebody today we had one of my former students she's preparing to go be a missionary in sweden to to muslim refugees oh that's cool and so i'm very quick to claim her i'm like yeah that's one of my like she's it like she's one of my students this idiot over here who's just like trying to figure out his life graduated from college doesn't have much going on that's not my this one right here this one yeah we have a young young man from uh our our youth group he's one of my leaders and he's he's been with i've taught him since he was in I think first grade, kindergarten or first grade, went with me all the way through kids' church, all the way through youth group. Now he's one of my top guys. He's about 30 years old. And um, I remember like two or three weeks ago, he got up and spoke on Sunday morning. I did an offering or something like that. And he just did such a remarkable job. And when he came down, I told him, I said, I wish your parents weren't such good Christians so I could take more credit for how you turned out. <laughs> but You'd be a real feather in my cap, jewel in my crown. <laughs> You but know, now you you're really just a reminder that good. I don't really do much. It's all in God's do. power I, and grace. I just kept you out of the ditch, man. That's all. Oh, yeah. Oh, we shouldn't. We we need to do a youth ministry segment at some point. And just, For real. Just like have somebody text or tweet in just a theme, just an idea, like favorite <laughs> camp story or favorite parent story or favorite <sighs> kid did something incredibly stupid story. And then we'll just share our story because i that's one of my favorite things about being around youth ministry people is we just sit around and share stories and it's just it's not trying to one-up each other which is the one time youth pastors aren't trying to one-up each other (laughs) it's just simply sharing and reveling in the fact that we know this reality so well of just shaking our heads at what at what our students do all right we've got a new segment as we said they're all new segments but this is kind of like a preview for what we're going to do next time so coming soon yes coming soon classic comic conversation Classic Comic Conversation. Classic Comic Conversation. We decided Tony recently acquired a subscription to Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, it was like uh, two years ago. Oh, nice. I thought you got it for Christmas. Oh, that was Neff who got it for Christmas. That was Neff, yeah. And I have a Marvel Unlimited subscription, and I didn't... Uh, stop it so it charged me automatically. Me so I'm going to keep it going for another <laughs> one year. One more year. One more time around the sun, Marvel. And I'll forget. And then, so classic <laughs> comic conversation. Tony and I are going to pick a kind of classic comic book, not serious, saga or storyline. Storyline. Yeah, like a story arc. Yeah. Yeah. Story arc that we want to read. And we were getting set for this. And I simply Googled top comic book storylines. And number one was Watchmen, which I don't want to read. And it's not in Marvel Unlimited. And number Have two, you read Watchmen at all? No, I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. People people are probably going to think that's a shame for me to say, but eh. Yeah. But number two was the Dark Phoenix saga. And oh, yeah. So over the next two weeks, Tony and I will be reading Uncanny X-Men number 129 through Uncanny X-Men number 137. So we will read those yes. comics, and they will come back, and we will discuss it. So this is our invitation to you. We didn't want to just say, we're going to do it and do it. We want to say, hey, we're going to do this and let you have a chance to read those. So if you have Marvel Unlimited, if you know Quentin Gregory Neff, there are ways of <laughs> reading comic books. Other ways, we're not going to discuss those, but you know, you can figure your life out. 
just subscribe the to Marvel internet Unlimited. is a vast place the internet is a vast place that has multiple ways of reading comics that we won't address but if you want to join in that conversation that'll be next time we will be looking at yeah. the dark phoenix saga uncanny x-men number 129 through 137 I'm really excited about that. It's going to be cool. I am. It'll be cool to read something that I know. I just I've never actually sat down and read the issue, so it'll be it'll be pretty cool. And then if and you have maybe su- people have suggestions yeah, for us on like some say. of their favorite story arcs, preferably Marvel, since that's what we have access to. Yeah. Uh, but I, I know that somebody I, t- I told someone that we, we were thinking about doing this, and they started spouting out different suggestions and ideas, like the Infinity Gauntlet or um, cruelly the Clone Saga. But um, there, there's a lot saga, of great what's that. With Spider-Man, it's the thing that killed Marvel. That was the basically what put Marvel into bankruptcy. Oh, I think. yeah, like One Day More and all that. Well, no, no, it was oh, way that was, before oh, that. that, was, was, oh, that that's right. That was like back in the 80s. Yeah, it was. It was a, I think it was late 90s. It okay. was Ben Riley. It turned out that there was a clone of Spider-Man from the 70s when he was fighting the Jackal, and he got cloned, and it turns out that, that, that Spider-Man was actually the clone all those years, and that the real Spider-Man had been living under the name Ben Riley, and um, Ben Riley came back as the new Spider-Man while Peter Parker and Mary Jane went off to live a quiet, non-arachnid-based life, but but uh, people hated that and they rejected it. And uh, Peter Parker came back. Ben Riley became the Scarlet Spider. It was a whole big oh, mess. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea about that. What a tangled web we weave. Pun intended. Radioactive tangled web. Yeah. So yeah, let us know what you want us to read. Now another new segment because that was supposed to be a short segment in which we just told people to read these comic books. But that's okay. We've got nothing but time. New segment called Nerd <laughs> Shouting. I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. Nerd shouting! All right, nerd shouting. Tony, are you a nerd? Uh, occasionally. I'm, I'm a nerd. We, we both host nerdy podcasts, so I think our credentials are pretty solid. But one of my least favorite parts about nerddom is that we have to get in all these arguments and fights over stuff that we can't just have our opinions. I can't just like one thing. You just can't like another. My ability to like something is only shown by my ability to hate what you like. Okay. Are you an Xbox or a PlayStation guy? I'm an Xbox guy. You're wrong, sir. Exactly. See, we just do that. I mean, we can't, I can't just let Tony play his PlayStation 4. He can't just let me, not that I play my Xbox, I have a toddler. He can't just let me have an Xbox sitting on my... You have a toddler? Come on! (laughs) What's wrong with you? Tell her to grow up. Have a teenager like the rest of us cool nerds. (laughs) So we get in all these arguments about nerd stuff. And so I thought it would be fun in order to basically mock that false dichotomy we put up in our nerddom that... A great example, Neff loved Aquaman, and Neff loves DC Comics. And I'm happy for Neff to love DC and love Aquaman. That doesn't affect me at all. His ability to love something doesn't take away from my ability to love Marvel and the MCU and to have thought Aquaman was okay. And Neff, who is, for people maybe who who are more uh, Christian nerd than Nerd of Godcast people, he's one of our guys. He's been with us since season one. He's a big, fuzzy, lovable ball of fun, and he's a huge comic book nerd, but he is absolutely biased and completely sold out to DC. He yeah. will have it no other way. And that's fine, because I'm absolutely biased towards Marvel. And we all have these biases, but we don't we can, we don't acknowledge them. We think that because I have a bias and you have a bias, you're wrong, and I'm right. It, it's just right. an opinion. Yes, and so in order to mock that, I, I had the idea to have this segment called Nerd Shouting, in which one of us, whoever's leading the segment, will bring an argument, and Tony doesn't know what we're going to argue about, but I I'm don't. going to present one side, and he will present the other side. Whether okay. he believes it or not, he has to defend that position. The impetus is upon me to somehow sell why my side is right. Yes. And I okay. think I picked a softball for you because I okay. think you you hold the counter position to what I'm going to present. And I'm not right. even sure I hold the position that I'm going to present, <laughs> but I think I do. So right. tonight, our nerd shouting is about this, Tony. I believe that Star Trek Deep Space Nine is a better series than Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> 
Wow. You could not be more wrong, sir. (laughs) So here's what I'm going to say. I listen to a Star Trek podcast called Random Trek, and it's great. And the host, Scott McNulty, always talks about how the Star Trek that we love the most is the one that we were first exposed to. And so I was first exposed to Star Trek The Next Generation when I was probably 10 or 11. I didn't have any friends in junior high, so I watched Star Trek every night at 7 o'clock on Channel 13, and Star Trek was my best friend. I started playing Star Trek The Custom Customizable Card Game. I started reading the books. I love Star Trek The Next Generation. Wait, you play the Customizable Card Game? I did. I love the Customizable Card Game. Yeah, it was game. great. Oh my goodness! We have to like somehow figure out a way where we can play. I'm sorry, I'm shouting at you. You're wrong, sir. <laughs> I have to see if I, I, don't even know if I, I don't even know if I have my deck. I, ha- I think I, I, dude, I have. I a have deck. them in the binder still, man. I have them all. Oh wow! All right, yeah, then. I'm coming to Florida so we can play Star Trek: The Next Generation. So I love, I love Star Trek: The Next Generation. If I were going to pick my favorite iteration of Star Trek movies, series, whatever, it is Star Trek: The Next Generation. Most likely seasons. Four, five, and six, I think, is probably the best version of Star Trek. So that is my favorite. I love Star Trek The Next Generation. However, I believe that Star Trek Deep Space Nine is a better program. I think it's a better television series because it has deeper, more complex characters that change over time. It has longer story arcs. It premiered in 1995 and it had actually, or maybe 1992, it had actually, or 1994, whenever it got close. Anyway, premiered in the 92. That was 92. I think Next Generation went off in 94. Okay. There was, so, and there was some overlap there. Was there. Some overlap. So that it had these long arching story arcs, which we now see in basically every television series that we all love and enjoy and appreciate there's long arcs one episode leads into another you you miss out on what happened in episode eight if you didn't watch episode three because it's all connected so i think that deep space nine was a better quality television program than star trek the next generation which was trapped in the episodic storytelling of the 60s 70s and 80s and nobody really ever changed nobody really got better or different and it's kind of what Ronald Moore said when he was making Battlestar Galactica. It's like the Enterprise gets in a big battle in one week, and then the next week, new coat of paint, fresh lights, everything's fine, nothing happened. Let's move on to this next 42-minute episode where what we do here isn't impacted by what happened in the previous episodes and will have no impact on what's to come in the future. Unless it's yeah. q Best of Both Worlds 1 or 2, Iborg, those things. So that's Do you my want argument to just have for- this argument by yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're arguing both sides so well. So so that's my argument, that Deep Space Nine is a better, like in terms of quality, like higher, better storytelling, Deep Space Nine is a better series in that respect than The Next Generation. Well, that's a very interesting point. I don't want to argue with you on that but one. But you're but... an idiot and I hate you so much. <laughs> we but should cut these the, like The dictionary promos. defines the word trek as a long, arduous <laughs> journey. Uh, which I don't think is indicative of Deep Space Nine, which I think should be called Star, Sit, and Wait. (laughs) Because uh, until they built the Defiant, it was more like intergalactic shopping mall. Just wait for someone to come to you. It was like the love boat of of Trek Universe. And that doesn't take anything away from some phenomenal... uh, Oh, I was going to say Quark was the plane boss, but that's Fantasy Island. I'm confusing my episodic television shows from the 80s. Quark Quark was more like Isaac from The Love Boat. That's true. Dynamite. No, that was J.J. Walker. I'm getting all of my metaphors mixed up. There were some really good characters on Deep Space Nine, and Deep Space Nine became a great show, a sterling example of storytelling and examples, but that was only after uh, all of the writing staff from Next Generation went over there <laughs> upon the uh, the conclusion of that series. Uh, Deep Space Nine did have some really cool, groundbreaking stuff, but see, it wasn't rooted in the original series of Star Mm. Trek, which is its strength, but it's also its weakness because you have to look at the historical standpoint of how important the next generation was. It, A, not only uh, bringing science fiction uh, of a high quality and consistent level to television on a week-in and week-out basis, which really wasn't a thing 
before Star Trek, with limited examples. I mean, you have to go back to some real cheeseball fests like the original Battlestar Galactica or Buck Rogers, uh, some garbage shows like that. But Next Generation, because of their their fairly decent budget, because of their uh, really good, and, and Ronald Moore uh, is, is a great example. He was the showrunner for a while. Him and Brandon Braga, I believe, uh, did a remarkable job at keeping the Trek mythos alive, rooted in the original series, more so in the first couple seasons when uh, Gene Roddenberry kind of still had his uh, symbolic hand on the wheel. But once Roddenberry was done and they could stop rehashing old 60s episodes, they really took off and did a fantastic job of bringing Trek mythos to life. Uh, I, I don't even think we probably would have seen the last uh, of the Star Trek motion pictures, the feature films, which was the uh, Undiscovered Country, if Next Generation hadn't sort of reinvigorated the franchise. I think Shatner pretty much killed it with the final frontier, and they were ready to put that thing uh, in, in the mothballs. But the Star Trek... Surprisingly enough, the mothballs that were holding his hairpiece... I mean, they were hey, going to hey, hey. get two uses out of those. Listen, not everyone has a fabulous quaff like you, sir, all right? Some of us uh, some of us shine up top, but uh, Mr. Shatner's hairdo uh, notwithstanding. <laughs> uh, and we have seen, thanks to great shows like Star Trek The Next Generation, that bald can be beautiful <laughs> in the sexiest man on television, Patrick Stewart. Uh, so I think that Star Trek The Next Generation kept the Star Trek franchise alive. You have to understand its historical significance as bringing back something that was really, uh, it was it was dead and gone from the 60s. It lived on in reruns, but they had really milked the franchise dry with some, some with, with a bad feature film in The Final Frontier. So uh, Trek... Next Generation brought it back, kept it alive, uh, giving a platform for shows like Deep Space Nine to do well, for Voyager to do okay. Uh, but it's as a television show, I think it's higher quality. As a television show, I think it has more significance uh, to the medium, to the franchise, and to not only the Trek shows that came after it, but also all other science fiction shows that came after it. Shows like uh, Babylon 5 or Farpoint or uh, even Firefly, things like that. So Next Generation, a far more important an impactful show. If you hadn't seen Next Generation, you're truly missing out on Star Trek mythos. If you haven't seen Deep Space Nine, well, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll agree that Star Trek The Next Generation is more important. I still think that, well, I love The Next Generation. I love the characters. I think looking at something like Deep Space Nine with the Dominion War, the stuff they do with religion, with the prophets, and then just... There's no character, other than probably Data and maybe Picard, there's no character on Next Generation that's as interesting as Garrick. And Garrick was a supporting character on Deep Space Nine. He is so interesting and so intriguing. He changes so much over the course of the series. And then Gold Dukat. That's the one thing. Next Generation didn't really have a villain. It had the Borg, and they popped up a little bit. But Gold Dukat, through the final seasons of Deep Space Nine, is mean and evil and you hate him but you love him because he's so good at being a villain next generation missed 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 out on that again because their episodic nature they had a villain for one episode then they left and moved on whereas deep space nine because they had their arcs were able to build these characters and 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 let us invest more in them especially in the side characters and Next Generation kind of got that towards the end of its run, and, and that may have been a culture shift across their entire writer's room, was to bring in uh, some of the conspiracy thing of some, you know, things are amiss in Starfleet, and uh, then the whole deal with the um, the Maquis and the Cardassians mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So yeah, I think you're seeing from the same wellspring uh, some of that, but I do concur with you that Deep Space Nine did have more of, uh, but they had to, because they didn't have new planets to visit and new things to, to do every week. You know, they didn't have yeah, no, holodeck it, episodes. It was so. way better when they got the Defiant and could leave the station. And that and that's and Worf too. I Worf was just I it, I think it created an interesting and familiar dynamic on the show. I, I'm not, uh, and that doesn't take anything away. I thought, you know, Odo was a really great character, and I, uh, I mean, I, I like all of the characters on, uh, on, on Deep Space Nine, most of them fairly well. But, it, was, it was always a little rough though, in like First Contact and Insurrection and Nemesis, when they had to sort of shoehorn Worf in back on, like, what's Worf doing hanging out with the Next Generation crew? Why isn't he on Deep Space Nine? Well, I loved it in First Contact when yeah, he comes that, that, in that, and he's that was good. in the Defiant. And they're like, we salvaged your ship. That's a tough little ship you got there. Little. little. Yeah. <laughs> I love now that. Now I want to go watch First Contact because it's great. Such a great movie. Okay, Tony, 
what do you, what do you actually think? Do you think Next Generation is better? Is a better, more qu- higher quality television show? I think that Deep Space Nine was a really good evolution of what that kind of show could be. And where uh, Star Trek, maybe the next generation, maybe set the stage for shows to come, like uh, I'll say Firefly, for example. Uh, I think that DS9 really set the stage for Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. and those sort of ongoing yeah. things. So they both kind of grew into their own things. Maybe perhaps the uh, Isaac and Ishmael of science fiction. <laughs> uh, but but I, but I think you, it's interesting to see there's no, like... That D Space Nine in their in the mid '90s was doing stuff that now basically every you know prestige television series does with the the longer arcs and, and the deeper storytelling and how there's not really anything left that's that's episodic in that nature, other than the British Baking Show, but that even goes on you know one of the next. <laughs> well, uh, either way, uh, right or wrong, I think we can all agree that uh, what was started there lives on today in the Orville. <laughs> I watched a couple episodes. It wasn't that bad. But Discovery comes back this Thursday, and I'm very excited for that. Yeah. I still I still don't know that I agree with you That is uh, about what universe that exists in. It's the prime timeline. It just is. Yeah, we'll see. I don't think it is. I, I think you're wrong. We'll argue about that next time. <laughs> All right. If there's anything that you want us to argue about, send it to either Tony or me. Don't send it to both of us because then we'll, you know, pick up and, and figure out, you know, what's going on. So if there's something you want us to argue about, because there's no need to argue about it. We just like what we like. That's fine. Yeah. Email email me at nerdofgodcast at gmail.com, or yeah. you can email Scott at... Scott at thechristiannerd.com, and there we will add those to the queue. You're now, fancier than I am, because you I, have a thechristiannerd.com. I've just yeah, got a Gmail. Yeah, I'm fancy. Like the rest of the plebeians. Yeah, I'm fancy. I pay for it. It's great. It's really exciting. <laughs> Love it. All right. Now, since this is a Christian podcast, we better get to the Christian portion of our show. Hallelujah. Let's have a little Bible study. Bible study. All right, in Bible study, it is what it says. We pick a passage, we share it, we answer three questions, what excites us, what convicts us, and what would what would, what could encourage others. And so that's what we do. So today we are looking at Psalm 36, verses 5 through 10. And this yes. is what it says. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Continue to love those who know you. Your righteousness is the upright in heart. Your righteousness to the upright in heart. My bad, sorry. So great, great, great psalm. Do you enjoy the psalms, Tony? I love the Psalms. I love, especially love the Psalms. That as soon as I start reading it, I start thinking of Third Day songs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you love alone. I got a yarl like Mac Powell. Reaches to the heaven. That's the one, man. I know. All right. So, of this passage, what excites you, Tony? You know, there's so much about this. First off, just the uh, the surface level of it, just being excited about God and his love and the vast reach of his love. You know, mm-hmm. like, here we are. When was this psalm written? I mean, we're talking 2,500 years ago. You yes. know, this is, uh, uh, I mean, even longer than that. It's, it's, and, and that it still reaches to us today, that that still uh, impacts and affects us and applies to us today, uh, just shows how great this is. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. From from the time that the, the pen touches the, the scroll here till the time that someone's reading it on a laptop in, mm. you know, 3,000 years, you know, this, and, and if it's just as fresh now as it was then, that gets me excited. Mm. When, when I think about his love and his righteousness and his, his power and that it still accounts that I still have access to it. It's not somehow ruined or archaic or uh, out of out of 
style or out of power or out of fashion, out of uh, effectiveness. That there's something to be excited about that. When yeah. I read it and I hear about the fountain of life, a fountain is not stagnant. A fountain mm. is flowing and it's consistently fresh. And, uh, and and I love that God's word is is just as fresh in the life of the psalmist here. And uh, this is David, I believe, as yeah. it is to me today, as it is to you today, as it is to those who uh, who hear it today, and as it will be, should the Lord tarry um, into the future. How often do you use the word tarry in any other setting other than... Only talk- in the context of <laughs> should the Lord tarry. Should my DoorDash tarry. <laughs> Uh, or if I'm talking about the uh, the mom from Mr. Mom, <laughs> that's Terry Gar. It's a different. Oh, you should you should have said from Young Frankenstein, and I would have been on rolling board. Rolling in the hay, rolling in the hay. <laughs> and there goes those, the spiritual <laughs> content. Uh, or the, the, the dinosaur from Pee Wee's Playhouse. I think that was Terry uh, also. Really? All right. Yeah. Uh, I really I like that uh, the first you know the. Um, your love, Lord, reached heaven. Just talk about how large God's love is, his faithfulness to skies, his righteousness is like the highest mountains, and then his justice is like the great deep. And just, I think we live in a fairly, there's there's broken parts of the world. And just yeah. recognizing that the psalmist, because we're like, yeah, God loves us, it's great. But also, like, God is so concerned with the well-being of his creation. Like, his justice is like the great deep. Like, his justice is as deep as the fathoms of the ocean. So I, I love the invitation, I think, inherent in that. Like, how can we love like God does, with a love that reaches to the heavens? How can we, be, how can we stretch our faithfulness, that our faithfulness will reach the skies? How can, how can our righteousness be as high as the mountains? And how can there be a depth to our justice that we want to see, you know, things made right in this world? Um, and, you know, that's something I would have, you know, glossed over when I was young. It's like, yeah, God loves me. But just, you know, the call that God ca- that gives us to, you know, care about those in need and care about the world and, and care about making broken things whole again. I just I I'm excited by that, that God's love isn't just a love where it's like touchy feely. It's a love that does stuff and makes a difference in the world. Yeah. Is it, it isn't just it's not a it's not a Valentine's Day card love. It's a real love mm. that'll that'll impact impact us and then can impact the world as as we let it flow through us. So I that's good. I enjoy that. Uh, what convicts you in this passage, Tony? I, I try to put myself in David's shoes mm. as he's writing this, and it's really hard to read this without our bias of the world that we live in. Uh-huh. And we we see this is for us, and it's still true for yeah. us. But to David, when he says it reaches to the heaven, your faithfulness to the skies. We live in the world where we see planes flying overhead mm. all the day. We've yeah. seen uh, you know, the rockets that fly into the universe and they're landing on Mars. But we've in been David's in planes day, that are five thousand you know feet up, like we've that's we've what been I'm they just it, that's just the way it is, and there's nothing held back from us as far as access to any place, high or low. Hmm. You know, we've seen uh, the the submarines and the the probes that go down into the you know mid Atlantic trench, and you know do the little bing, and we see the weird fish down there, like in Nemo, and so, you know. But but for for David as he wrote hmm. this, all of these things were completely unreachable, hmm. completely unattainable. They were so out of out of our grasp, and yet he's saying, God, your love goes to where I could never go. Hmm. Uh, when when he says the heavens, when he says the skies, he's talking about something that is com- like beyond the scope yeah. of our imagination. Uh, when, when we talk of the highest mountains, I mean, we, we can Google Earth the highest mountain, but for these guys with no climbing gear and tethers and oxygen tanks and, and stuff, the highest mountain is something that you see, but you can never hmm. approach. And I, I think about how how much more vivid and powerful and impactful and grandiose the language that David's using is than what we can fully understand. Mm. I mean, I think that if we're applying this according to inflation, I mean, there's <laughs> we don't even have words to describe how far above our understanding and our our reach and grasp God's love and His righteousness and His justice can possibly mm. be. And I get convicted because I don't want to just take these things at surface value. I really want to understand the the the, the richness hmm. of the currency of this language. You know, a fountain of life, we can pull out a bottle of water. We can go to a water fountain. We have access to that. But in David's day, out in the middle of the desert, a fountain was 
a very valuable and precious and wonderful place. I mean, people would build cities around where the water came out. I mean, that was it was vital, and they didn't have that. They didn't take it for granted. You know, we we just we don't see how important and how 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 vastly rich the language that David is using is to describe God's love and his life and his light. Mm. You know, we, we, we have light. We turn our lights on at night. You know, in David's day, the sun goes down and it's dark now. Congratulations. <laughs> That's all you got. There's, you know, you can't pull your, your cell phone out and turn a flashlight on. So when he talks about light and when he talks about the water of life and uh, he, he talks about, you know, the, the, the skies and the depths, uh, we, we have to really see that the way he would have seen that. As something just truly mythologically magnificent. I'm convicted to look at the Bible the way Tony does. Because I'm a failure now. That's what I feel. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I try. I try to like the words are so important. You yeah, know, no, God, yeah. God could have revealed Himself to us in so many different ways, and He chose the Word. He chose, yeah. you know, that He He is the Word of God in 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 a manner of speaking. Uh, so I try to always go back and look at it. I try to look at the original Hebrew and, uh, and and see what those words unpacked really, really mean. And it's just, it's amazing to me, the richness of God's yeah. word. I'm, I'm convicted. You're in verse eight, where it says, they feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. And then verse nine for you, it is the fountain of life and your light. We see light and how often have I gone to a different house looking for different abundance? How often have I tried to find delights in a different river that doesn't come from God? How often mm-hmm. times have I gone to a different fountain to try something that I think that I thought would give me life, and yet it always comes up short? And I know that. I, I know that because I've been going to church my whole life, and I'm a pastor. I mean, we know these things. We know yeah. that life is found in God. Life is found in Christ, that that God gives us delights that we can't even imagine. And yet we still try to find, we say like, but, but I, I think I can find something better. God, I can find something better in this temptation. I can find something better in this sin. I can find something better in numbing myself by just watching Netflix all the time. Like I can find something better. God, I don't, I don't need to turn to you. And so I am constantly convicted by that. Of just, I mean, I, I love what it says that, you know, God gives us, gives them a drink from his river. Like God has a river of delights. And how often do we view our relationship with God as not a delightful thing, but a burden, something I have to do. Oh, I have to do my quiet time. Oh, I have to go to church. Oh, I have to serve in ministry. Oh, I can't do what I want to do. It's like, it's delight. Like there's delight in God. And it's just a matter of our perspective in in seeing things correctly. And and we both know what it's like to be in that mindset where we, we do see it as delight. We're really just, we're we're purely just delighting in what it means to follow God and be in his presence. And there's nothing better than that. But then, you know, hopefully a week later, if not five minutes later, we're off trying to find delight in something else because we were completely satisfied, but with that, well, no, but what about this? Like, what about that over there? I think, I think that could satisfy me. Yeah. We do settle for so much less than what we could. Yeah. So that always convicts me. But maybe I, I sometimes I think I have an, uh, a bad relationship with sin that I think about it too much. Hmm. Why do you think that is? Well, I think a lot of times growing up, I feel that my life with God was just sin management, that hmm. following, following Jesus wasn't so much about cultivating a relationship, but just managing the sin in my life. And that if I didn't, if I, if I sinned as little as possible, then that meant I had a thriving relationship with Jesus. And as yeah. I've gotten older. I've obviously realized that's not the case. And as I've been able to actually get a, con- get a control on some of the sin in my life and the temptations and things that I face, it's like, I did that. And then I realized, well, that didn't do it. Like that wasn't enough. Like mm-hmm. I still need to go and cultivate this relationship with Jesus. But for so long, I thought, that if I could control my sin, that meant I was close to Jesus, which wow. that's not the case. I mean, it's an important aspect of drawing closer to Jesus, but they're not the same thing. So I think that's that's influenced me a lot. 
Yeah, I think that sometimes as our believers, maybe it's because it's the most obvious external sign that other people can see yeah. or that, you know, that we put the uh, what should be the byproduct of our faith with God. We make the product of our faith mm-hmm. with God. Like Absolutely. we're going to do this thing to get closer to God instead of getting closer to God and then have it naturally result yeah. in doing this thing. When we share testimonies, and we've done this even on, on my show, where I'll talk with some of my, my guys and they'll say, okay, you know, when when was your testimony? When did you start to see the result of your relationship with God? And a lot of times, and this is, I've experienced this year after year with a bunch of different kids as they grow up, they'll say, oh, well, I, I stopped, I realized I stopped cussing or I stopped listening to bad music or I stopped doing this and this. And it's like, yeah, but what did you start doing? Like, what was the mm-hmm. result of it? Not what you didn't do. Yeah. Uh, what did you do? Because I think that you can discipline yourself. You can manage the not do with just hard work and focus yeah. and meditation. But uh, what what is God causing you to do? We're supposed to be light and life and instruments of his power in this world. Then it's not just about like, well, I don't I don't smoke. I don't chew and I don't go with girls that do. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you have to make I don't it do more those things, that. but Alicia just dips all the time. It's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Oh, sorry, Alicia. Yeah, no. That, so that, that that that's been an interesting part of my journey. Uh, real quick, what uh, what what is encouraging? What could be encouraging for others in this passage, Tony? That this isn't just a passive thing. That mm-hmm. I think that when we think about these psalms or we think about this expression of worship in our modern church context, we see words on a page or we see words on a screen that we can read along with somebody else's declaration and, and kind of annex it or appropriate it to ourselves and say, oh, this is mine too. God, you're great. Your love is fantastic. Your justice is good. I agree with that. And we can slap a handwritten amen on these things. But I think that there's a cause and effect declaration that's happening here that we shouldn't just be readers of this we should actually be doers of this and that's a the, the revelation of God that that David maybe didn't even have when he wrote this is that what God is in this now through Christ he is through us mm-hmm. and and that we are to be these things I, I think about you know John chapter 4 uh, and John chapter 7 when Jesus says look if you he, he reiterates this idea uh, for with you is the fountain of life in verse 9 and, and Jesus says I am you know if you drink from this water you'll never thirst again and then in John chapter 7 he says out of your belly will flow rivers of living water meaning that now we get to participate in bringing this goodness to the world and bringing, you know, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. We get to be uh, his light in, in that other people can see the light, you know, kind of the counter side of verse nine is that God is these things, but now Christ in us allows us to be these things to the word, uh, to the world that that's in desperate need of us. So the love that we carry is the love that reaches to the heavens. The faithfulness that we demonstrate should reach to the skies. And that's sort of a, a participatory, an invocation that we are now the ones that do these things. We can declare it for sure, but then we have to demonstrate it, I think, in our everyday lives. And uh, I, I, to me, there's a challenge in here. Mm. What am I doing? I'll give you an example. I had a friend uh, when I was in college. His name was Ryan, good kid. And he was my friend. But he came to my house. I lived with my mom, and he would come into my house, and we would play PlayStation, and we'd you know hang out, whatever. One day I came home, and Ryan was just at my house, and he was there, and my mom was cooking him food, and it was all cool, and it was all good. But the idea was, because I lived in that home, and because I had access to the blessings of that home, and Ryan had access to me, he had access to the blessings of my home. My mom was cooking for him because he knew me. And I think there's people in our lives that may never have walked into a church and may have never encountered Christ or never gone to youth group or never gone to a, you know retreat in the mountains or whatever it might be. Or in a Bahamian but, cruise. Whatever it takes. But because they know us, mm-hmm. they should have a, a full picture of Christ's love. They should have a full picture of Christ's life and his light. And uh, and that, that puts a big burden of responsibility on us. Man, Tony, you may so want to run I, through a wall. <laughs> I just want to go, man. I just want to go on that and, like, treadmill, man. Just keep running on the treadmill. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to run on a treadmill for a while. That's great. You're great. I love hanging out with you on the internet, Tony. You, you, you too, encourage brother. me. Thank you. That means uh, a lot. You, you encourage me as well. My my encouragement for those listening, um, 
everything Tony said and, and again. <laughs> um, but a lot of times we're in a place of not we're in the place of needing to be the one who's shown love. We're in the place of like we're not ready to run through a wall because we need to feel loved first, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I just love verse verse seven. How priceless is your unfailing love, O oh God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And that's just such an intimate image that God just gathers all of us underneath his wings and he's protecting us and he's loving us and he's sheltering us. And like, we just get to cuddle up all nice and close next to him and just be in his presence. And so I I know there are people out there listening that, that you want to be that person going out and sharing God's love. and, And you are that person sharing God's love. But right now you also, you're the one who needs refuge. Like you just need to huddle up underneath God's wing and let him tell you that it's going to be okay, that, that you're going to find another job, that you're, you're going to make it through this trial, that you're going to, you know, that person who just got diagnosed with cancer, like they're going to make it like, you just need to know that right now. And I love that that God's word works in so many ways that it can be this inspiring message to go out and share God's love. But at the same time, it's this inspiring message that God loves you and he knows what you're going through and he will shelter you under his wing and carry you in and kind of bring you back to that place of strength and prepare you to kind of go out. And it's just, it's that, it's that continuum of, Oh, what it, we, it was in, we had it in seminar. It's kind of like the, it's like the infinity symbol. It's kind of like the prepare and then the go. And it's just, it's just this constant back and forth of like, you know, like yeah. we need to, we need to prepare ourselves to go out and then we go out and then so we go out and we pour ourselves out. It's like, all right, we got to come back and we just got to, we got to spend more time with God. Like, all right, let's go out. And it's just the constant back and forth. So um, I know there's, there, there are people in that season who just need to know that God's love is priceless and it won't fail you. And you can take shelter on the shadow of his wings because he loves you. And and if I can jump in on that, and I think it's so wonderful and pre- God's word is just I'm, I was the word that comes to mind. It's just ridiculous. And I love that that you're quoting verse seven there. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God! People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And again, making another correlation between this and the New Testament, the Hebrew word that's used there is kanaf. That's for wings. The word for wings is kanaf, and I may be mispronouncing that, but um, that's the Hebrew word which means wings, which literally translates into the extremities, a skirt, or the corner of a garment. Hmm. And I think about the woman with the issue of blood pressing through the crowd to touch literally Christ's wings, to touch Mm. the corner of his garment. She, she, it took everything she had to get where she was and she, she sacrificed everything just to touch, just to reach out and just, just touch him. And she got everything that she needed from him. So wherever you are today. If you are struggling with sickness, if you are struggling with a need, if there is fear or anxiety or whatever your thing is, uh, don't just don't just look for refuge in the shadow of his wings. Just reach out and hold him. Just reach out and touch mm. him because he has power uh, for you. He has a, a miracle for you. He has the answer for you, uh, and it's 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 right there for the asking. Amen. I feel like I got a little extra Pentecostal on that you, one. You like, did, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. So last time after you said, I can't remember what you said. It's like, we're Pentecostals. We're just, you know, waiting to slay somebody in the spirit. Like, whatever you said, my sister was listening. She texted me. It's like, is Tony really a Pentecostal? I'm like, oh, yeah, he's out there, you know, speaking in tongues, banner dancing, all the ribbon dancing up and down the aisles. He's all about it. We don't, uh, I, <laughs> well, well, I, I got more of a bounce than a dance and no banners <laughs> necessary. We don't, we don't handle snakes. Uh, we, we trust the word rightly divided and we bless all churches that name the name of Jesus. If I don't speak in tongues, am I really a follower of Jesus, t- Tony? If I don't get baptized in water, am I going to make it to heaven, <laughs> Scott? Question for another the, day. Tell that to the thief on the cross, my friend. <laughs> I don't think baptism's necessary. I'm just for teasing. Salvation. I'm teasing. We're not here to fight, sir. <laughs> unless you've maintained the teeth. Six is better. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, can't we all just get along? Uh, we can. We get along, Tony, and that's great. Yeah, we do. Hey, that's it. Because this has gone on long, but that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's like it's like an episode of the, it's like an episode one, of the, it's like an episode of the Nerd of Godcast. It's just, oh my it's just gone on and on. Yeah, no. The uh, only editing will be cut here, sounder here. Keep going because I'm not editing out. 
I want to hear people talking Harris talking about crapping our pants on stage. It's great. Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Uh, hey, thank you so much for listening. You can check out the Christian for all your Christian nerd needs or nerdagodcast.com for my friend Tony and his show. Where can people follow yeah. you on Twitter, Tony? Well, you can find me at it's me, Tony T on Twitter, or you can check out the nerd of Godcast at nerd of Godcast across all the social media platforms. We love to chat with you, connect with you and exchange whimsical animated gifts with you. They will do that. And you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at Scott Higa. I won't exchange gifts with you because I like words and well, not words are moving good pictures. Too. Ours are just pretty and they move. They're, they're so great. Hey, thanks for joining me, Tony. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been Scott, lots of fun. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, goodbye, Tony. Well, goodbye, Scott. Goodbye, Internet. I have to make two bumper or two sounders tonight. Really glad we started this early so we could actually get going at the actual time we said we'd be going. <laughs> I think we've so far we've talked about youth ministry nightmares and crapping our pants. Hey man, that is youth ministry. <laughs> <laughs>